follow and another thing on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome back. Another episode of the most controversial podcast in the world. Certainly in Belleville. Well, no, in the world. In the world. Okay. In the world okay. now. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. been, uh, we've been upgraded. It was Eastern Ontario. And then it just kind of went to Canada. It was, when, it was when we were condemned by Putin, I think. That yes, the and then it's just point. gone globally exactly. from there. Exactly. I'm Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement. And we have another amazing guest. Uh, Tony, you had lined this up. We're so excited to get some question and answer time with this individual, and I'm going to let you introduce him. Yes, I am very proud to have on our show Mr. Gary Marr, who is uh, a former Alberta uh, leader in in politics, a a former cabinet minister. He was minister of the environment. When I was minister of the environment, he was minister of health. When I was minister of health, he's a former leadership candidate. And now Mr. Marr is the uh, CEO of something called the Petroleum Services Association of Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gary Marr. That's just me and Jody clapping, but it's, uh, you get the idea anyway, Gary. Gary, great to have you on the show. I'm so happy to be on with you, Tony. <laughs> I can tell that, a, that that enthusiasm was just oozing through the microphone there. Uh, listen, Gary, uh, tell us, uh, first of all, uh, what is the Petroleum Services Association of Canada? Why don't we start with that? The Petroleum Services uh, Association of Canada is a national trade association. We represent the upstream oil and gas energy sector. And so that includes manufacturing, that includes the people who bring oil and gas safely and efficiently out of the ground every day, the drillers, the frackers, the people who do wireline services and seismic, and the manufacturers, a lot of which are in Ontario, uh, who manufacture the steel and the pipe uh, and the equipment and the valves that we use. And, and that there's hundreds of companies uh, throughout Ontario that, uh, that are part of the supply chain. There's about 500,000 people that work in this sector in Canada, and um, and it's, so it's pretty significant in terms of its size, and we have members that go from coast to coast. You'd probably recognize some of the bigger members like Schlumberger and Halliburton and Weatherford and uh, GE, Hallib- uh, GE Baker Hughes. So we've got, we've got some big members, and then we've got smaller companies that manufacture... Uh, uh, material like drilling muds and transportation services for uh, for chemicals that are used in uh, in fracking activities, sand hauling services. So it's a wide, wide range of uh, of services, and we're getting bigger. We're including now uh, geothermal energy. We've got a number of companies that are geothermal right. uh, energy producers that are operating in the Western Canada sedimentary basin. And so it's safe to say that this is a national association. It's not just about uh, the oil patch in in Alberta. Well, that's right. I mean, I think one of the important things to recognize is that the the energy sector is a Canadian energy sector. It's not an Alberta one. Uh, We have members that go from coast to coast, uh, from British Columbia to Newfoundland and Labrador. They're doing work offshore. They're doing work onshore. They're working in conventional oil, they're working in natural gas. Uh, but as I said, uh, you know, if you look at manufacturing, uh, we don't make steel in Alberta, but in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, there's a plant there called Tenaris, and they, Tenaris employs about 800 people in Canada, most of them in the Sioux. Uh, the Sioux is a, a, a city of 75,000 people, so you can imagine hundreds of jobs is significant. 
100% of the billion dollars worth of steel that they manufacture in the Sioux goes into making tubulars for the oil and gas business. None of it goes into the automotive sector. And, you know, there are other examples of manufacturers that make valves, for example, in places like St. Catharines or um, in Vaughan, uh, in Mississauga, in Brampton. Uh, your old writings, Tony, uh, would be well familiar with the kind of work that's being done uh, that is part of the supply chain to the Canadian energy sector. Right. And so I, I think that the the important message that you're trying to impart about the Canadian energy sector is that uh, it's it, people should be concerned about uh, whether we have the ability to get our energy resources to market. It's not just a question of Albertans being concerned. It's a question about Canadians. Well, I think that's precisely right. I mean, it's not, I mean, you have to really look at how much uh, oil and gas is important to our overall economy. Um, people would talk about the importance of the auto sector as an example in Ontario, and it is big. It makes up about 12% of our overall exports from the country, but a full 25%, a quarter of Canada's exports come in the form of crude oil uh, or some type of hydrocarbon. And so it, it is a very, very large part of uh, what creates wealth in this country, and that there's hundreds of thousands of jobs. We think that in the manufacturing sector, there's probably 70 to 80,000 jobs in Ontario that are directly uh, resulting from being suppliers to the oil and gas business. And so it's, that supply chain goes all across the country. And we export about... 3.7 million barrels of oil a day, but because we don't have pipelines to go to eastern Canada, it may seem odd, but we actually import about six or 700,000 barrels right. of oil a day. Yeah. And uh, we import it largely from the United States, but it also comes from Saudi Arabia and Venezuela. Uh, parts of it come from Algeria and Nigeria and, uh, uh, and other such nations. It, you know, I can't think of another country in the world that would set their infrastructure in such a way that you would be compelled to sell your product at a discount and buy it back at full market price. So, it's um, so the the need for pipelines, I think, is important. There's you can of course move it by rail, but that has its limitations and its safety issues as well. So, what's the receptivity uh, for your message, particularly on the pipelines issue, and more generally about? Uh, Canadian energy are, are you are you finding welcoming ears for this you know I've spent uh, time in uh, Ontario and in fact uh, just this morning uh, Minister Fideli from uh, the province of Ontario his office gave me a call and wanted to know more about this uh, important supply chain of providing uh, material to the oil and gas sector in Quebec uh, Tony you would remember when uh, uh, when we were health ministers uh, Premier Legault was also a health minister at that That's time, right. and yep. so uh, we've spent time with Premier Legault's uh, people and the Minister of, of uh, Natural Resources for the province of Quebec, Minister Julien, is quite receptive to the idea of, at, at least starting with the idea of natural gas, uh, In uh, there, there's a project, a $15 billion project that the Quebec government supports called Energy Saguenay, and it would require a 36-inch pipeline to bring natural gas from Western Canada uh, to go to Saguenay where it would be liquefied and then exported to foreign markets. To me, that's a great story. It's good for Quebec. It's good for Alberta. It's good for Canada. Um, and uh, it helps 
bring down the overall GHG emissions in the world if you can displace the use of coal with uh, much cleaner burning natural gas. So uh, a win for the environment as well. Um, in, in the province of Quebec, about 46% of their energy comes from uh, hydroelectricity, but 56% comes from the use of uh, fossil fuels. The number one selling vehicle in the province of Quebec is uh, the F-150 Ford truck. And so even Quebecers themselves recognize the need for uh, the use of uh, oil and gas. And I, I think our message is starting to get through. It is starting to resonate with people that uh, this is important uh, for the whole country. Um, and while we, we believe in the importance of uh, renewable energies and, and, and non-emitting, non-GHG emitting sources of energy, the, the reality is we need all of the above. It's not one or the other. And this is, this is a message that we want to convey is that um, Canada uh, throughout its history has always been a natural resources developer. And it's not a question of do we do this or that. We can do this and that. We can develop new technologies for using and, and creating and uh, you know, oil and gas, traditional fossil fuels, in a way that's much better for the environment, while at the same time uh, developing uh, you know those types of energies that do not emit GHGs in their production. So uh, we can do uh, we can do both. Does uh, part of your job uh, also involve uh, having a dialogue with uh, environmental groups and also indigenous groups? Is that part of the job at all, or is that more handled by the individual companies? No, it's something that we get involved with as well. I mean, we recognize the importance of, uh, of our environmental responsibilities, and that's the reason why, uh, you know, we talk about Canadian energy as being the most uh, responsibly produced energy on the face of the earth. I mean, we do things that uh, we double down on on the uh, regulations, the environmental regulations and the requirements that we have uh, for developing our energy uh, in a way that other nations do not. I can assure you that if you were to look at an oil and gas operation in Nigeria or Saudi Arabia, uh, it is done to a m very, very different standard when, it look, when you look at ESG, right. uh, which is a, a popular term right now, be it environmental, social, or governance issues. Uh, and so we should be, as Canadians, very proud of the ESG uh, that we apply to the development of our oil and gas. And, of course, First Nations are part of that. And we work with, uh, with First Nations groups. Uh, we have companies that are owned and operated by First Nations bands uh, that develop oil and gas themselves and provide services. And so uh, we think that it's an important message that uh, there are many, many First Nations groups that actually support the development of oil and gas, but they want to do it responsibly, just as we do. I mean, the 450 or 500,000 people that work in the sector across Canada, we have no interest in polluting our air or our water or our, our soil uh, because we live in those communities, too. And so right. uh, it, it's really important that Canadians understand that the oil and gas industry is being very responsible. And, in fact, if you look at clean tech uh, as, as a sector, there's been about $2 billion invested in that. Roughly three-quarters of that has come from the oil and gas business. So um, we are deeply involved with uh, with clean technologies in addition to 
uh, you know, traditional oil and gas development. Yeah, I think that's something that people don't necessarily automatically equate or associate with the oil and gas sector, that how much of that is uh, innovation, Canadian, made in Canada innovation that does make uh, the technology a lot cleaner. Yeah, I mean, we've got companies that are aspiring and have, they're on track, and I'm talking about producers, this is not uh, the service sector, but actual producers uh, that are talking about going to net zero in terms of their oil and gas by 2030. I mean, that that is an audacious goal, but uh, when you look at the kinds of uh, technology that's being developed uh, and the work that's being done, uh, I think it's actually a realistic goal, as audacious as it may sound. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously you're an Albertan. Uh, I mentioned your uh, your place in the Alberta cabinets of the past, and uh, you you live in Alberta. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of economic pain in Alberta. Uh, Maybe may just amplify that a little bit. And I know that's a little bit outside of your remit, but it obviously is connected to the ups and downs of the oil and gas sector. Well, let me uh, let me uh, frame it in this way. Um, you know, people in Ontario were concerned about the uh, you know the, the closure of an Oshawa GM plant, and, and you know the you know two thousand or twenty three hundred jobs there. That is not an insignificant number, and I would be uh, equally concerned about what that would mean to my community if twenty three hundred jobs were to disappear. Uh, but here in Alberta. Uh, we can say that uh, the number of jobs in the oil and gas sector has gone from uh, maybe 500,000 to 400,000 over the span of the last five years. So uh, losing 100,000 jobs in your sector is a pretty uh, pretty significant, and it has had a tremendous impact on, uh, you know, on the, the quality of life of people uh, here in the province. And uh, that's, of course, also reflected in the in the revenues that go to the government of Alberta to support uh, the kinds of services that uh, the Canadians come to expect, whether it, uh, it be health care or education or any one of a number of other things that are supported by revenues that come from uh, the energy business. Now, I should say some of it is outside of the control of Canadian governments, provincial or federal. Right. Uh, there have been headwinds. Uh, you know, internationally that are beyond the control of uh, any Canadian government. But there are some policies that have been put in place within the country that have not made it easy uh, to uh, fully uh, take advantage of the kinds of resources that we have. Uh, and I would, uh, I would say that uh, the challenges of uh, federal legislation like Bill C-69 or, uh, or uh, uh, Bill C-48, which is the No Pipelines Bill, uh, off the northwest coast of British Columbia, I think is, uh, uh, I think are bad public policy that have placed a, a big chilling effect on investment, both Canadian investment and uh, investment from foreign uh, foreign sources uh, to investing in the oil and gas sector. So, I mean, I, th- I think. At, uh, sorry, I, I was going to say, I think some of us are starting to lose faith 
that we can ever build a pipeline in this country ever again. There's so many things that stand in the way, barriers that we've put in place ourselves or the the lack of, uh, of political or social unity on it. Uh, do, do you sometimes wake up uh, uh, on an occasional morning and just wonder whether it'll ever happen again, whether we can have a, a way to get our, our product to the markets that we need to get them to? Well, Tony, I mean, you've known me for uh, 25 years, and I've always been an optimist. I never look at a glass as half full or half empty. I always think I'm halfway to my next glass. So <laughs> uh, I, I guess there are some things that I see that provide some uh, some anticipation that some of these pipelines will get accomplished. Uh, you've had Premier Horgan talking, for example, about uh, go, you know the coastal gas link line that would uh, connect uh, I think it's about 680 kilometers from uh, from uh, Western Canada to the West Coast that would provide the natural gas for the LNG Canada project. Uh, that would be very good. He has indicated his support for that, uh, even if um, some members of the uh, uh, the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en Band object to it. Now, that is a very interesting project because of the 20 bands that the pipeline crosses, all 20 elected bands have signed uh, benefits agreements with uh, TransCanada and now TC Energy. Uh, that is significant, and the only objections are coming from a minority of the, um, of the, of the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these, these bands recognize the importance of this uh, this energy project and the benefits that will accrue to them in terms of uh, employment uh, both during the construction phase as well as ongoing operations we have um, you know going before the Supreme Court today uh, the British Columbia government is seeking to have uh, control over what goes in the, the TMX pipeline I don't think that they will succeed I think that is clearly a federal jurisdiction um, Trans Canada, or I, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Trans yeah, Trans Canada is moving forward on on Keystone XL. That would increase uh, the capacity of moving oil to the United States by some 880,000 barrels. I, I think that that will get done, and um, hopefully, we'll start to see, um, you know, uh, interest, uh, you know, in investment in the oil and gas sector as a consequence of takeaway capacity improving over the next two to four years. Well, I guess we're going to find out together whether uh, those, those things can transpire because, uh, you know, the, uh, there's still, there still seem to be a lot of organized groups, uh, some of them perhaps funded by groups that are not Canadian, that uh, are, are keep going to the wall on these things, and it's, it's very frustrating sometimes, I must say. I'm, I'm editorializing perhaps, but that's how I feel about it. Well, you know, I think that there is uh, ample evidence to suggest that there are groups, particularly out of the United States, uh, that are uh, opposing uh, us. And, you know, the, their opposition purports to be environmental, but the reality is is that uh, by restricting the ability of Canadian oil to get to foreign markets other than the United States, uh, it is an interest in the United States because... We get paid a discount on our oil because we've only got, you know, uh, one customer. Right. Ninety-nine percent of our oil goes to one customer, that being the, the United States. And so, it's an important customer, but 
uh, it would be very, very good if we could start getting something that looks more like a market price for our oil. And the reality is, is that, you know, you've got, you know, <clears throat> banks like HSBC saying they're not going to be putting investment and financing uh, into the oil sands uh, or in the Canadian energy sector. And they're falling over themselves to, uh, you know, be part of uh, the Saudi Aramco IPO. Right. I mean, to me, if you compared the ESG of Canadian oil, which is something you should be proud of, and you compared it to Saudi oil, uh, you'd have to say that there is a certain amount of hypocrisy on the part of some of the banking industry uh, when they try to express their, uh, their ESG uh, goodwill. We're speaking with Mr. Gary Marr. He's uh, currently head of the Petroleum Services Association of Canada, uh, talking about uh, really, I, I'd say, the Canadian economy. I don't want to localize it to Alberta and to say that pipelines and uh, oil and gas or energy sector is just an Alberta issue. It really is a Canadian issue, and that's that's been your mandate. I know you were at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce uh, annual general meeting uh, last year, and uh, you've been traveling to Ontario frequently, trying to get that message out. And I hope you're, I hope you're getting the ear of government. I hope the Ford government is listening to you. I know the Kenny government is in, in Alberta, and uh, the Legault government in Quebec, uh, and so on. And of course, the Trudeau government. Uh, they've, uh, they've appointed a number of emissaries uh, to try to smooth the waters after uh, their uh, lack of success in. in uh, in Western Canada, so hopefully this uh, bodes well for the future. Well, we'll continue to uh, soldier on and uh, and be optimistic that we'll be able to get some work done and uh, make sure that the energy sector remains an important part of the overall quality of life uh, that is uh, supported uh, in Canada as a result of that industry. And that's that's a good point. I know you continue to make like if we want good education for our kids, if we want good roads to drive on, if we want, uh, you know, uh, our police uh, services to be fully funded, uh, we've got to take advantage of our natural resources, including our energy sector. Very true. Gary Marr, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Jody, I didn't hear from you, but I'm looking forward to talking to you sometime. Tony, it's uh, always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Very interesting conversation. Um, yeah, Gary's a very good, I mean, I've known him for, oh, I'd say 25 years, uh, you know, in my in my time in politics. When I first started out as an Ontario minister, he was an Alberta minister, and uh, we've, uh, he, I, you know, state for the record, he's a friend of mine, Is he and his wife, uh, Nancy, are friends of, of my family, and uh, he's just a top, uh, top drawer guy, and he, he really cares about not only Alberta, but the, the whole country. Yeah, and I don't want to draw a lot of attention to it, but you did seem to hog the mic quite a bit. There. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, I uh, I've got a comfort level of talking to him because uh, last time I was in uh, Calgary, we did a nice barbecue outside his uh, his house, looking at the mountains, and uh, uh, he he's always the guy that will if I land in Calgary, I don't I never have to hail a cab. He's always there with his car ready to pick me up. And what does he drive? Uh, he's a uh, Tesla. No, yeah, no, no, no. He's got a nice little sports car, actually. Uh, he's got a Volt. Yeah. He's got a Nissan Leaf, actually, is what he That's drives. That's right, yeah. Um, well, one guy. thing you did say that I did want to correct you, because I have some insiders on the Liberal Party. You said it's going to be tougher to get pipelines if we're ever going to see that again. Mm -hmm. um, you're actually, it's incorrect, because I'm hearing that coast to coast, they're working on a pipeline just for essential oils, though. Like your lavenders, <laughs> okay. uh, oregano, things like that. Okay, so essential good. oils. 
The liberals can get them coast to coast. So that'll be good for the bathtubs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. You use essential oils, don't you? Oh, yeah, all the time. Can't you tell? (laughs) All right, subscribe, Spotify, Google Play, um, lots of other places. Where else? Download us, yeah. Download us. Yeah, sure. I was going to say something else. Oh, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio is coming up, yep. And iTunes. iTunes, of course. We're always there. Enjoy the rest of your week, Tony. You too.